Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Ibala, and I'm joined by the wonderful Jen. And we're going to be speaking with the extremely talented Dr. Anastasia Bakapulu. So she's originally from Venezuela and moved to Australia to pursue further tertiary education. She completed a Master of Philosophy and Doctor of Clinical Dentistry and Orthodontics at the University of Sydney. So since her early days as an orthodontic registrar, she discovered a passion for teaching and enjoys contributing to dentistry. In 2017, she completed her Australian dental clinical examinations and worked in the public sector until 2019 when she moved into private practice. She currently works in Chatswood Orthodontics and St. Ives Orthodontics. So as you can see, she's got a broad range of experience and insight into this career. So let's find out how she's gotten where she is today. Thank you so much for joining us, Doctor. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I have to admit, it's my first, po- my first podcast, so... I hope I fulfill your expectations, guys. <laughs> we got the scrubs on and everything, so we really appreciate you joining us um, from work and uh, dedicating your Tuesday night to us. Thank you. <laughs> um, Dr. Anastasia, you originally born and raised in Venezuela and completed your university at Santa Maria Uni- um, University. So how was that and how did that differ from your teachings in Australia? Actually, having the opportunity to study my dental degree overseas and then coming here and being able to do the ADC exams gave me the opportunity to basically get the best of both worlds. Um, There are two different, also the fact that I was able to teach the dental school at Sydney Uni gave me another vision of the education here and all together combined, of course, allows me to give better care to my patients these days. The main difference I would say from my program overseas was that, of course, coming from a third world country, the lifestyle and the environment, um, the, the, the life itself is very different. And what you're exposed with patients and your treatment, the communication, everything is completely different from what you would experience in a first world country like here. Um, So that social aspect of things, I guess, develops a lot of the social skills that you need as a vulnerable practitioner to be able to provide that trust to your patients and, and to make them feel like you understand them and that you actually are the right person to help them. So I think Venezuela gave me a lot of that. Um, it also, the fact that, um, I come from a five-year program, okay, gave me a lot more exposure of what a shorter program would give me. And then, however, coming here, there was a lot more research, a lot more technology, a lot more, of course, um, I did come a few years later because I did orthodontics in between. So about 10 years later, everything was updated and it gave me the opportunity to have a complete different um, 
experience in terms of education, I actually felt I was doing dentistry all over again in a, in a more sophisticated um, environment, I would say. We, we also start getting exposed to patients from year one in Venezuela. So all the way from year one to year five, which again, it helps you develop a lot of your clinical skills. And I only met my first mannequin when I was training for my ADC exams. <laughs> we do not touch mannequins. It's just patients under close supervision, of course. But it's, it's a, I, I think it, it was a beautiful experience, both aspects of there and here. Um, and I feel very lucky to be able to have a way to compare both and basically get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing that you have experience in both the countries, and I'm sure that helps you as uh, when you're practicing as an orthodontist. So could you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Like, was ortho something you were always interested in, or did that kind of like arise later? So I, I was an odd child, okay? I, <laughs> I was always attracted by people from a very young age, by people who went to universities in the U.S., for some reason, big, uh, and I knew there were big universities. It's probably going back to the fact that I come from a third world country and you know, um, everything is more basic. And I, I knew that I wanted to study one day in a big university and, and have the opportunity to have access to, to something superior, I would say. Education where I come from is very, very good. However, the infrastructure and the technology um, is probably lacking and it's behind a few years compared to the US, Europe, or even Australia. So um, having that in mind, I always knew that eventually I would study overseas because I also wanted to study in English. And um, I had my orthodontist was my inspiration to study um orthodontics and I told her just tell me which university I have to go to do orthodontics and she said no 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 (laughs) it's not that easy you actually need to become a dentist first you need to to be able to you know finish your dental program and then Mm -hmm. you have to be accepted in a very competitive program because the orthodontic programs are very small um the good ones they're very small they're very um competitive and you know you'll have to work very hard to get this so I guess she shouldn't have challenged me because then I said you know what I can do this and I'm going to do it (laughs) so I went I studied general dentistry um, knowing that all I wanted to be was an orthodontist and I I of course learned a lot from all the different aspects of dentistry but I did notice that I I would tend to perform better in the areas that were related to you know uh, pediatrics, growth modification, orthodontics itself, my, my tracings and my cephalometrics were always, um, you know, the, the tutors at uni would say, oh my God, you know, you're so good. It's so easy for you. And I would say, I just really, really like it. And I was so bad at prosthodontics, <laughs> for example, or it would be really, really hard for me to do endo. Um, I only did it because you know, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it properly, but it wasn't easy for me. I had to invest a lot of energy to do it whilst the other aspects were really easy. So um, I always knew I wanted to do orthodontics and, and every decision I made and every conference I joined, it was 
having that in mind. So I guess that helped me when I was preparing my CV to apply for universities as well. So that was something that you were naturally and went and developed. And uh, did you find that there was, that's what your CBD journey was based on? So you took orthodontist classes or anything that stood out um, during that time? Yeah, so basically I was focused on attending, um, since I was a dental student, I was attending mainly orthodontic conferences, anything related to orthodontics. I would enroll to, I would take time from my um, breaks, university breaks to be the typical annoying dental student who wants to shadow orthodontists <laughs> from year one. <laughs> I also shadowed, um, I actually went and shadowed prosthodontists, pediatric dentists, always shadowing specialists um, because I, I knew I wanted to specialize eventually after finishing dental school. And I wanted to make sure I was making the right choice. And um, it, it always ended up pointing towards things related to the field eventually. And um, I would say I have a passion and I'm very lucky to know what I like from the very beginning because then that allowed me to invest all my energies in the right place and then make it happen as quick as possible. So when you ask about um, my CPD journey, I guess conferences, um, research, I was involved in research from since I was um, a dental student. And after I graduated, I also enrolled in university programs, which were two-year programs that um, were focused on growth modification, growth and development and growth modification. And they were very comprehensive programs that even you had to publish and you had to also write a thesis at the end of it. So I was pretty um, obsessed with the whole idea and I did longer courses rather than short courses because to me it was very important to get to know the people um, that were going to be eventually my mentors and those programs mm -hmm. allow me to do that. Of course I did attend short conferences as well and lectures and and but I, I found the most benefit from the long ones and, and the comprehensive ones, I guess. You said that you shadowed a bunch of uh, different specialists. Uh, did you find that there's any other CB classes that, you know, you took just because you found that even shadowing wasn't enough? Yeah, so after becoming an orthodontist, so I was already an orthodontist. I, I, I could only work in public. Um, and so... For that reason, I was very fortunate to be offered a job as a lecturer at the University of Sydney, where I um, I was lecturing Sydney Uni uh, BOH and also Newcastle. But then I could only do that two days a week. And then the rest of the time I was focused on my ADC exams. And during that time that I was attending the university for teaching, I met um, the person that I work with now, doc Dr. Noor Taraf, um, and he asked me, how is this ADC journey going for you? <laughs> and I said, it's actually pretty amazing. I'm learning a lot. And he just kept looking at me like, no, no, you can be honest <laughs> with me. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 it's perfect. I love it. Um, it's allowed me to learn a lot of things. I just feel that um, I, I would also like to invest time, you know, learning lingual and temporary anchorage devices because um, those are 
rapidly evolving fields that I was exposed at uni uh, in the orthodontic program. However, it evolves so quickly and it's almost a subspecialty within the specialty. So we, we get exposed, but we don't do enough. So those were the two aspects that I really, I was curious about and I wanted to know whether that was something I wanted to pursue further. And, you know, he said, you know, you know that I do a lot of lingual and you're welcome in my practice anytime. Um, so I said, oh, OK, um, yeah, yeah, I, I would take that offer. And I, I don't know if he regrets that these days, but <laughs> I didn't stop going to his practice. I basically shadowed him a lot. And then he guided me towards all the courses of lingual and tabs that I could do. And and that's basically what I was lacking that I ended up doing. And it was, again, based on reading papers um, monthly with all the publications that come through. Because I was associated with the university, I had access to the amazing library of the University of Sydney that has access to all the universities, most of the universities worldwide. So I had that opportunity to educate myself as well. I was also engaged in research and, and I was lecturing here and there. So a combination of all these things, I guess, guided me to the conference, the right conferences and the right courses. And the long course at the University of Sydney is not something that I did myself because I had already done the program, of course, but I had the opportunity to teach there. And I found that a lot of the general dentists who attended the long course um, found it extremely helpful because um, some of them, they, they were not sure if they wanted to do orthodontics altogether. So that helped them realize whether this is something that they're passionate about and, and whether they want to pursue further orthodontic training by doing the postgraduate degree. And um, I guess that's one of the courses that I could recommend people doing if, if, if that's where the question um, um, goes. And I guess anything that grabs your attention, for example, I was very interested in airway as well, but then I'm very fortunate to be part of the program at Sydney Uni where we have Professor Ali, who's um, you know, a giant in the field. And, and I got everything I needed from him. Um, so I guess it's very different when you talk to someone who comes from a postgraduate program because the access to education and resources are, are slightly different um, to a general dentist, I guess. But there's also, for example, the Australian Society of Orthodontics. They do a big conference every two years, which has the option for general dentists to attend. And then they do bring um, very prominent people in different areas of orthodontics. So I guess that's also a good platform to go and, and mingle with people that could perhaps be the people that you will shadow or that you could ask questions to and, and then also get to know postgrads and, and orthodontists that could tell them the experience about, um, you know, the orthodontic journey, if that's something that they want to pursue any further. Yeah, it's great that you had like an end goal in mind and everything you did was like contributing to that. <laughs> um, so are there any CPDs that you're looking forward to taking soon? Well, with COVID now, <laughs> it's, very, it's very hard to um, plan. However, I am very keen. We have a few conferences lined up, again, with the Lingual Society of Orthodontics. And 
I'm part of the committee, so we're actually preparing and getting ready. Hopefully we can, you know, <laughs> have a face-to-face -face meeting soon. It's meant to yeah. be in Melbourne. And the date keeps changing at this stage. It will be next year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, we, we, we get to invite speakers from all over the world. And, and this meeting, for example, the lingual um, meeting is, um, it's a very small meeting and you get the opportunity to speak to the speakers and the lecturers as you go in and out the lectures, so you end up learning more in the hallways than in the lecture room because then you get to have a one-to-one -one conversation. So I'm really looking forward to that. We were also planning a few lectures um, ourselves with Dr. Noor Taraf in the practice. We this Sanai's practice is it, it's a baby from COVID. <laughs> it, it was born during COVID, so we're trying to promote the practice, and um, we we're looking forward to offering a lot of CPD courses and, and offering access to education to general dentists as well. So those are the two big things, the two big projects that I'm really looking forward to. And then my favorite co um, conference is the American conference, the American Society of Orthodontists. Um, they, they actually host one of the biggest conferences worldwide and they they have something like five simultaneous rooms running with different speakers for a period of three days and it's absolutely mind-blowing to go there and just listen to all the fascinating you know research and and all the new things that are coming out from different corners of the world that you you wouldn't have access to unless you actually go and mm -hmm. see these people these universities and these departments and of course what better place and going to a conference where all these people are together so i'm really looking forward to be able to go to the us also the european meeting is actually really good um but i i i get distracted when i go to europe i i get tempted to <laughs> party too much and I, I do have a lot of friends there so it, it does become more educational if i go to the us <laughs> Europeans tend to party pretty hard. <laughs> so you mentioned all these conferences and the lovely US conference. Is this how you keep up to date with orthodontic technology? And which one do you recommend uh, our tool or software that you recommend for us today? So the, the conferences is and the and the reading the research coming out from the different prominent journals. That's my way of keeping up with technology, but also I'm very lucky to work with Dr. Noor Taraf. He's a speaker himself and he's, he's very technology driven as well. So um, I, I like describing him in an informal way, like a child who buys all these different toys. And by saying toys for him would be technology. Any technology that comes out that you know is appealing and is proven to work and, and make things efficient, he will get it. And <laughs> uh, thanks to him, I forced myself to basically learn how to use all these softwares and all the technologies. And it allows us to provide better treatments to our patients and also be able to build up our cases and, and create a better communication channel, both with the patient and the referring dentist. Um, so having said that, my favorite tool will be I guess a combination of things. So intraoral scanners have changed 
our life significantly in orthodontics. They, um, we, we started off by using impressions in the program. And I know there's people who have very poor experiences with impressions. I don't know if it's because I was engaged with the um, BOH program, but we, where we took a lot of impressions, but also where I come from in Venezuela, we also did that a lot. And I guess it wasn't a problem for me. However, it's tedious and you, 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 you realize you become a lot more efficient and a lot more fancy for your patients when you use an intraoral scanner. So that's actually one of um, my favorite tools that we can use these days. It allows me to delegate a lot of the work to our team as well and gives me time to focus on treatment planning the cases, um, dedicating more time to the patient and, and being available basically. That combined with the CPCT machines for x-rays, it's also something that has changed significantly the way that we treatment plan cases and our diagnosis um, is, I would say superior than just judging by a cephalometric, a CEP x-ray and an OPG, because you, you can see a lot more things in a 3D x-ray and from a lot more different angles. And then this same x-ray will allow me to plan then all the other things that we offer to our patients, which is the lingual braces, everything set up digitally, the aligners, the wires, we also set up digitally and we send them, um, this will be my third favorite tool, <laughs> which is a software that integrates everything. It integrates um, using the intraoral scanner and the CBCTs. You can integrate all of these things together. You build your 3D model of the teeth. You can overlay that in the skull. And then you can do what we call indirect bondings for patients. You can, um, we can make our own aligners, in-house aligners, or we can also... Um, use any of the commercial brands for aligners. We can we can actually request for wires to be bent by a robot, and and this happens overseas, of course. We can also send these three um, D models to a lab that we use in Switzerland, a lab that we use in Melbourne, and another lab that we use here in Sydney to create our metal printed appliances as well, which are the expanders and the sliders to close or open spaces. So I guess I cannot commit to one tool because it's a combination of all of them. And in our case will be intraoral scanner, CBCT machine, and the software that allow us to put everything together. It's amazing that you have access to all these resources at this practice. I'm actually uh, so very lucky to, um, to work with Dr. Noor. He, he, I don't think he's got... Um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't get upset at me for saying this. <laughs> he has no um, limits with money in terms of investing in technology. He will just, you know, invest as much as he can. And, and you know, it's, it's actually quite um, fascinating. And I feel very privileged to be able to be part of his team because then I have access to all of these things and I can offer mm -hmm. what I offer to my patients. Yeah, I'm sure it helps the patient experience so much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you started in public practice and then you moved to private. Could you tell us more about that transition and what you found most challenging? Of course. <laughs> so the main thing would be the fact that in private practice, the pace, the volume of patients is a lot more and the pace is a lot faster. So that was the hardest thing for me. 
we we do have allocated um, big slots of time in public for patients whilst in pub um, what did I just say for patients in public <laughs> whilst in private you have you actually run simultaneous rooms with um, a highly trained team of hygienists and DAs that basically make your life easier and and they run the whole practice for you so I think that was one of the main things that I had to adjust to when I came out from the hospital I was in a very comfortable environment where you know I had all the specialists I needed under the same roof and that was amazing because you can just go jump in the elevator and you just knock the doors and people will always they will always have time for you and you know I, I do encourage students to stay at uni if they want to or in public um, if they can for at least a year or two because it's a completely different experience to be a student and to then be graduated and, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, be a clinician with, with clinical judgment and, and then you, you start developing your philosophy and you start developing what works in your hands and what you feel comfortable offering your patients. And you, you start understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. And the best place to do that, I would say a protected space would be the hospital. Yeah. And then, which is the public system. Of course, you need to be lucky to be under the mentorship of a team. And then I feel very privileged because I came out from that protected environment to another protected environment (laughs) where I was with Dr. Noor, who he likes teaching. I can bother him at any time, whether he likes it or not. I still do it. (laughs) And because we're under the same, you know, practice, we share patients. um, I have that mentorship and that channel of communication happening both ways. And so that was one of the, things that I think was could be hard for 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 people transitioning the other thing would be that in the hospital um, there's still paper-based notes taking and communications and and there's a lot of paperwork that still happens with physical paper in private practice everything at least the practice where I'm at everything's digital So I had to come into practice. It was a huge shock for me because I'm not very technology. um, I'm technology driven, but it it doesn't come easy to me. I like it and I love learning and I love having a challenge every day. Um, However, I need to invest time, energy, effort. You know, my brain has to be fully engaged there to learn how to do things. And that was really hard for me to come out of public and then come here where I had to learn at least nine different softwares. And for lingual braces, Dr. Noor um, exposed me to, what was it? Five different types of lingual uh, systems. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this is so exciting. I'm going to learn so much. But at some point you start getting, you know, the pressure and you need to learn things. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it properly. So it was really hard to, to, to spend time, you know, at work, long days, very long days. That's another thing in the transition from public to private. Public, you know, you beautiful. You arrive there. <laughs> 
8 or 9 a.m., you have morning tea, you know, you have your lunch time, you have, um, then you finish at 4.30 and you're out the door by 5. And you have, you know, people, um, you have almost 10% of the patients that you see in private daily. In private, we start at 7.30, we finish at 5 with patients. So then you stay back if you have to. And that was my case. I had to learn a lot of things and weekends. And, and then my husband was like, what are you doing? I, I, I thought that you were in private practice and we were past the stage of, you know, having to study and, 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 and invest so much time in things. So to me, that was, that was really hard. But it was worth it. Again, I think when you have a goal and you can visualize the endpoint, you make it happen. So I guess um, my message to students in regards to this question and to recent graduates would be: you need to make sure you know what you like, and and once you find your true passion, you'll you'll make it happen, and you'll you'll always look for the best. Yeah, and it's great that you had such a supportive husband to help you throughout this journey. <laughs> Actually, he wants recognition, so this is the best opportunity to, <laughs> to say it. He, he wanted me to make sure that I tell everyone listening to this podcast that he's very supportive and that he's amazing and that thanks to him, I was able to achieve most of the things that I've achieved and, and I've been able to invest so much time. And you know what? I really... I really feel it's, I'm very lucky in that aspect as well, because he, he did support me while I was a student. Um, we, I don't think many people can have a functional relationship during a postgraduate program, <laughs> at least the orthodontic program, specifically at Sydney Uni. Lifestyle is very active. Um, requirements are very high and hours are very long. Um, we study while we're there, while we're asleep and during the weekends. <laughs> so for him to have stayed there by my side during those three years, I also did research before doing ortho. So I did an MPhil before doing ortho, and then I did ortho. And you have to think during that time, I was having zero income, okay? At some stage, as a resident, orthodontic resident, we were um, earning money, but then all of that was invested into my ADC and it wasn't even enough for my ADC. So I had to even use his money to, you know, invest for ADC and for all the other courses and conferences that I had to attend in order to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So yes, number one husband. <laughs> And actually, he's at home now looking after my 10-month-old baby. So <laughs> brownie points for parenting and for husband, you know, he's, he's actually really good. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. That's unique. Well, now look at you. you, you can, you've done it. You've done the ADC. And now he can sit there and be proud that you have a little small family and you're successful and all that hard work wasn't for nothing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he feels that the orthodontic degree belongs to him as well. And the ADC <laughs> belongs to him as well. <laughs> and then he goes around telling everyone that I'm an orthodontist. And I'm like, oh my God, stop it. Like, <laughs> he's actually more excited than I am the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, we've been through this together and it was all worth it. You do need a team to go through this journey. And you need, you need a, a good support system. 
Um, it's not easy, at least not for international students. It's, it's, if you're passionate, you'll make it happen and it will be the most amazing experience, but it's, it's, it comes with a lot of sacrifice. So Dr. Anastasia, is that something that you want, that I guess you wish that you knew back then and you would recommend to dentists getting into orthodontics or do you have another message that you would like to uh, give us? I, I would like to encourage anyone who is not sure and has the slightest interest, I would uh, encourage them to investigate and, and, and find a way to get involved with someone who can perhaps provide them with an experience of what it is like to be an orthodontist and, and get to know their journey as well. Because my journey is very particular because of my circumstances. Um, however, and, and it was a bit more complex because I also had to do the ADC exams. However, um, if someone is not sure, I think they, they should look into it. It's a very rewarding profession. If you like both adults and children, you can choose whether you treat one group or the other or both. Um, it gives you a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of work out there. A large percentage of the population will need orthodontics, so you will be busy. Um, and if you do decide to do it, I would encourage them to, yes, start by doing CPD courses or the long course at Sydney University or, you know, the equivalent in any other state in, in the country or state where they live. Um, but then eventually I would highly recommend them to do the ortho postgraduate residency because it is worth it. It does come with... Um, a lot of benefits that it will be very difficult to get in a CPD course. And then that will give you the security that you need to be able to provide the best treatment to your patients, the confidence. And, and also um, it will help you build your reputation and, and I guess your professional aspect of things in a way where um, it will just make your life easier you'll be surrounded by the people who will give you the tools that you need and, and, and they will guide you, I guess, rather than you learning from your own mistakes. So the difference between doing ortho as an orthodontist and a general dentist, it's not very big. Um, I know a lot of general dentists who are very successful doing orthodontics and, and that I actually admire and they're older than me and uh, I, we work with them as well and we share patients. Um, however, an orthodontist, when we make, we also make mistakes, okay, as an orthodontist, and things can go wrong. However, we know how to pick up the mistake pretty early and how to recover pretty quickly from it. So I guess that gives us the peace of mind of trying things and, and being mm -hmm. able to offer certain things to our patients with the confidence that it will be okay. Um, you will be able to deal with it if something doesn't go, you know, the way you expect. And, and the best example would be when you see patients at a, at a very young age, having the, the basics um, in knowledge of growth modification, for example, gives you the opportunity to provide early treatment. And a lot of the times you can save surgery procedures to patients and you can guide their growth and you can intercept problems in a way that, 
it will be very hard for a general dentist to do as early because it's very hard to to be able to predict these things unless you have this comprehensive understanding of um, growth and development. And it does take us the three years of the program to be able to go through all the literature and all the evidence behind all these treatments that we offer and, and that we provide to patients that it's not a cookbook. It's basically targeted to each particular patient. It's very individual. And the only way for you to be able to provide superior treatment would be to have superior education. But by saying this, I don't want to minimize anyone because then there's a lot of people, because we have access to education here in Australia very easily, there's a lot of people who can actually self-educate themselves and commit to learning things really well before um, providing it to their patients. It's just going to be a lot more difficult and it will probably take longer the learning curve if you try to do it on your own rather than mm -hmm. if you try to go into a program where you're bombarded by different philosophies, different, you know, um, scientific evidence. And then with all this information that you have, you get to decide what works for you and, and what your philosophy will be. For example, um, Professor Ali, who's the head of department at Sydney Uni, before he came to Sydney Uni as a professor, he had been in another five universities before coming here. So he brought his knowledge from the universities that he's been in Europe and in the US to Australia. And then he combined the good aspects of all of these universities to develop his own philosophy. And he got exposed his students throughout this, all these years to all of these um, exposure that he had so then I don't have to go looking for that I've got a person yeah. there who's my mentor and and he's providing me with all these things for me and it's just fascinating the amount and the quality and the and the I would say the yeah the quality of of information and education that you can get it's it's quite uh, beneficial and it's worth every penny and every minute of your life no that's great that's exactly there's so much social media out there and all you have to do is really look for it we have yeah. youtube and we have instagram so um thank you yeah. so much dr anastasia for joining us today we really appreciate it and we've learned a lot um please tell everyone uh, where to contact you and where they can find you well <laughs> This is something that I need to work on. I need to work on my social media, but the practice does have social media. So we have Facebook and we have Instagram. Um, so in Instagram, you can find us under your local orthodontist. You can also find us under Chatsur Orthodontist. And if you go into either Chatsur Orthodontist, Orthodontics or Sanai's Orthodontics, um, we also have emails, we have our phone numbers, and we do reply to any request anyone is welcome to practices at any time we we're actually very passionate with teaching both Dr. Noor Taraf and myself and we enjoy having people over and showing them the possibilities and and also sharing our cases and our knowledge with them so um, we would love to have people here and and get them to see what we do and and also if they need help with um you know, the ADCs or 
applying for a postgraduate program, you can also reach us through, I guess my personal email will be very hard to give it to you because you'll have to know how to spell my last name. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you, if you contact us through the practice, I will get in touch with you guys and, and we'll be more than happy to develop a relationship with you in whichever aspect you may need. Well, thank you. And so thank you so much for having me. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.